You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad, and uh, I'm going to have a chat this morning with, uh, I'll have to say, an old friend at this stage. Um, Oliver O'Connell is based in the uh, Burn in area of County Clare, and a beautiful part of the world and the whole of County Clare. And for those of you who a few years back may have remembered that his son Blackie was here with Sir Ladunhu and we had a beautiful concert in the Ambassador's Residence and he, uh, Blackie toured parts of Ontario uh, and uh, was down at a dry stone wall event down on Amherst Island and dry stone walls of course are very much a part of Clare, Galway uh, it's, it's well you can't but look around but you're going to be finding dry stone walls everywhere, it's part of the history but Oliver has taken the time to record his life story. And I can empathize with Oliver wanting to do that and doing it because I wouldn't have the patience to put pen on paper. I know Oliver might. I wouldn't. Uh, but uh, it's an awful lot easier at times to reflect and to chat. And Oliver, thanks a million for coming along. And I'm looking forward to hearing about what, you, what, what inspired Jim, what caused all this and how you went about it. Oh, it's good to be on, uh, Austin. It's been a while since we've spoken. And in the crazy times we've had with COVID-19 and stuff, like, you know, it's, it's great to get some bit of normality back. But, uh, I did, I have actually completed two major artistic projects. That's the best way to describe it. And they're, 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 they're different now. Both of them are very, very different. And they're different to anything that has been done up to the here and now. First of all, I have, um, I've been tying around with the idea for a while of writing down my memoirs or things that have happened to me in my lifetime because uh, lots of people don't realize that I've had a kind of a very up and down kind of complex life. You know, it was, um, this week, actually, 22 years, my, my young wife of 48 died of cancer, ovarian cancer, which kind of wiped us all out like and has left a scar on us that, that we never recovered from. And uh, then I've had... Um, I suppose even during the, the Celtic Tiger, my business went to the wall and I had a, a lot of trauma and, and drama around that because, like, you know, my customers couldn't pay me. Everything went haywire and, gosh, I lost everything, like, and I lost a lot of money, but I didn't worry about the money, but I lost my home and I lost, I lost my pension. I lost a lot of things, like, that kind of put me on the back foot. And then, of course, the world dramatically changed and in terms of, borrowing and finance and stuff like that. It didn't matter what kind of record was for the past previous fifty years, you know, when when the the Trika or, or the International Monetary Fund took over in Ireland, things changed in the business world dramatically. Mm-hmm. And uh, suddenly there was only a very select few people who could actually pick themselves up and start again, you know? So the the one thing I was blessed with Austin all my life was I have the most incredible mental strength of any human being and I, I say that without fear of contradiction because uh, the hardest thing you can do in life is to be positive when the news is bad and uh, I, it has hit me on a couple of occasions I kind of got used to it because I lost my business in Liston Varna in 1974 and that was I have documented on the book and people will get a shock when they read about it because uh, it, it was really really dramatic you know and uh, in the, the, the COVID hit Ireland in March. Uh, I remember it well. It was Friday the 13th of March, 2020. And I was in Ennis, and the papers were playing. We went to Blackie there. Blackie was playing, and there was great music around the town. But there was this sense of foreboding in the air. 
I got it. And there was no lockdown or anything at this point. Like, you know, you could just, you know, walk up to town a village. I got this kind of feeling that something is not right here, you know. So I came home to the Burren. I live in the Burren National Park, the most beautiful part of the world. I won't to Ireland, the world. I'm looking out to the uh, Mullockmore Mountain and the sun is shining here. So I got, I knew then now the and I purposely decided I'm going into lockdown myself now without any uh, instruction from any government or anything. I decided this thing is quite serious. And uh, now I had wonderful neighbours. They looked after me and bought me my food and choppy and vegetables and I didn't need anything, you know. But uh, now I had time in my hands and I was 88 days in the burn without seeing Corofengort or Ennis. Now they're the three little towns that are the nearest to me. Corofin is 10 kilometres away. Gort is 10 kilometres. Ennis is 23. So I used that time to walk the burden landscape down the Famine Road, thousands of years old, up Mullockmore Mountain. I covered literally most parts of the burden. And I got huge inspiration from it, Austin. Like, I could go down there, I could come back, I could write the most gorgeous piece of poetry, if I may say so myself. And I could write a beautiful song after coming back. And then somebody had said to me one time that I should put my memoirs on paper. Now, I never knew that I had anything important to tell, but, you know, there's something awesome. There's a book in all of us. We all have ups and downs in life. And it's only when I had it documented, I realized, oh, my God, this is something in this like, you know, because it was drama and drama and sorrow and sadness and happiness and good times and bad times. But I, I wrote it as it appeared in my head. I did no... Um, I did no research of any description. I didn't have to. But what I did then actually was, which is quite unusual, I um, I decided that, for example, I'd log the changes that are in Ireland over the past 60 years during my lifetime. Because without question, the greatest changes in living memory in the island of Ireland have taken place over the last 60 years. You know, there was guys here 60 years ago taking turf out of the bogs in a donkey and baskets. And now we're in the Facebook world where we're talking to people in New Zealand and I'm talking to you today in Canada and I can see you. So this is this is a big change. If our dads came back now, they wouldn't know what in the name of God is going on at all. So when I was writing, let's say, for example, 1974 in, in the audio book, I'd say like, you know, 1974, uh, Hefo's Armies, the Dublin footballers, Pete Paul in the All-Ireland Final, Abba won the Eurovision with uh, Waterloo. And I, Oliver, was on my way home from England to start a new life in Savannah. So I put in little backdrops of little snippets of Irish dramatic changes that took place. And, like, there's a lot of nostalgia in it for people. And, um, and then I took sort of the three pillars of the Irish society, which was Fianna Fáil, the Irish government, the Catholic Church, and the GEA. And when two of those pillars started to crumble, particularly with the British Fabian Casey scandal, I mentioned it. And then with the feel of all with corruption we had in that, suddenly young people started to question those organizations. And suddenly there was a bit of a, there was no such thing as doing what your father told you or your grandfather told you before. It, and, you know, Ireland changed and changed dramatically. And we'll never again be the same. It has changed incredibly. So when I had the book written, which was, I think, about 59,000 words or something like that, I had it all written and done. And then I decided... The people in nursing homes and stuff like they love nostalgia. They love to think back at things that happened back further in the last couple of years. So I decided that I would record it with the recording studio and record it. And then because of some of the pieces of poetry I've written, 
I, I put music in behind the back of it. I put Jackie in the pipes and Fender Fury and Mickey Dunn and whatever you like. You know, for example, and then I did other stuff as well. Then I have one poem there called The Instrument Fair, where I recall in poetry all the things that happened in Instrument in the 1960s when I was a little boy. And I have sounds of the animals in the background, the horses and the, the pigs and whatever you are. You know, there's obviously there like, you know, the crack was mighty in the town, the crowds from near and far. The drink floored like Niagara Falls down in Mark McMahon's bar. Deeds were done and songs were sung and stories told all day. And then just in front of Pinchy's shop, Michael Russell began to play. And they've actually Michael playing in the background. You can hear him. So I put the whole lot together. Uh, four hours long. I crammed 65 years of living into four hours. Uh, recorded and I did a kind of a soft launch a couple of weeks ago I do the official launch now at the end of the month and when I have that done then uh, I do it here from my kitchen from my home and uh, it's on, I put it on sailing Costi's music shop in Innes 25 euro for four hours and the reaction to date Austin has been mind blowing because nothing like this has been done before So what you're telling me you're on six, you're on six euros an hour I'm on six euros an hour again. I never looked at it like that. Makes me look. <laughs> but um, no, what's fascinating, you're right, in so far as that, you know, the job of a, a writer is to try and create imagery in the mind of the, the reader. But yes. it's wonderful when the author actually does the audio book. And the, the great thing about an audio book is that it does as, exactly as you say, it allows you to bring in the sounds and yes. to create the atmosphere in a way that complements the words. And it brings words to life in a way that uh, we all don't have the same imagination. Right. So Agreed. what I hear in a sentence or when I read a poem how I hear the background noises would be different than maybe you wanted me to hear them. So it is a wonderful, it's, it's a, a wonderful way to put a book out there rather than going to print to go to straight to audio. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. For example, I was, I was in Dublin in uh, about seven or eight years ago and I met a homeless guy on the, on the sidewalk in Footy Houston Station. I brought him for a cup of coffee. And he told me his life story. I brought him in like and he was all ragged and people were looking at me. But I sat down with him for an hour and I listened to his story. And on the way home on the train, like I wrote a piece for it. And there's one few lines in it. Uh, I wonder what James Connolly would say now if he saw his Dublin town with all these homeless souls on these wet streets lying down. They say we number 10,000, but that number is probably more. You see, we're no longer human beings now. We're just statistics on the floor. And I have Mickey Dunn playing Dublin in the rare old times in the background, that piece. Right. And it just enhanced it and changed the texture completely. Now, Oliver, I know in Ireland, and in Clare particularly, um, people know you very well, so they would know who you are. But globally, yes. you wouldn't have the same um, persona, I won't say reputation. I said persona. So, like, <laughs> I know one of the um, initiatives that you were engaged in that came a cropper was you were going to uh, put a spectacle on the Cliffs of Moher. 
And well, I'm, yeah. I'm just using this now in, in, to, to help uh, develop the persona. Uh, tell me a bit about that, because, again, what you're doing yeah. in the book is very different. But this was also something very different. We came up to 2010, 2011 in Ireland, and the crash had happened, and I had lost everything, and things weren't great, and there was a kind of a depression in County Clare in particular, where I was living. And I was coming up from the scanner, I've logged it all in the book, by the way, everything, the whole story, from end to end. But I was up from the scanner one day by the Cliffs of Moher, and my, my eyes were drawn to the field beside the Cliffs of Moher. And I was just looking at it, and I got a crazy idea into my head. God, this would be a great place for a concert, and it would give a kind of an economic boost in our Clare and a, a spiritual lift to the people up there. So I I, I knew who the owner was, and uh, I decided, you know, maybe there might be a chance here to do something crazy. So I approached uh, Riverdance to know would they perform and give some more. Now so they were uh, unsure about dancing above and top to give some more. Um, and uh, then I approached the Lord of the Dance at Mr. Flatley, and he agreed, right? So now I had, I have, I have the main act got. And then I contacted my buddy, Finbar Fury, and he said, of course, Oliver, I'll perform that as well. So now I have Finbar Fury as well, and I was going to bring the Kilfenora band. I had four acts, and Michael Becky, my son, and, and uh, Hugh Healy. So then I approached the Clare County Council, and they embraced the idea. They thought this was incredible. They didn't think I'd get the trip some more, you know, but I had difficulty with the guy who owned the land. It's right beside what they own, and it's a beautiful site. It holds about, you put, put in about 5,000 people. Now, in order to make it viable at that time, I had to put in 5,000 people for three nights, 15,000 people. I felt I was able to get them, because in 2009, a couple of years earlier, I had booked the chieftains uh, into the cathedral in Ennis, and I brought in 1,400 people at 50 euro head. For the coldest weekend, I did that. I, I organised that from start to finish. So I thought I'd go a step further. Now, everything was fine, uh, except that um, suddenly, like, the, everybody now wanted payment for everything up front. There was no credit, right? And, uh, like, we were selling the tickets. The tickets were flying. Everything was going well. And I went to the bank, and I needed, I needed the money. I needed what I needed at the time. I think we needed about 100,000. We had 350,000 in, in sales. And, and I was approaching break even and profit. And I had about nine weeks to go, you know. So suddenly the banks couldn't lend any more money because the Trika, the International Monthly Fund in Ireland, and they were saying, stuff like this is, uh, is risky. Yeah. You know, and uh, then all of a sudden the hotel started filling up with the Hinch and Dolan and the Standard and, and it's Diamond, every place. Like, so there was going to be a, it was going to be quite dramatic, you know, and uh, we were going to do lasers on the front of the cliffs, and ah, this would have been this would have been something very special. So I'd all the advertising, I'd everything, and the last few pounds I had, I'd spent it on it to get it up and run it and bowl. And then all of a sudden, I saw it disintegrating in front of me because there was no way I was going to be able to do it. And of course, the stress and the strain took its toll on me, and I didn't realise it. And um, I um. I had gone to the bank and they said no. And then Flatley came over and he went down into uh, to his castle down in Cork and he posed with his BMWs and his Porsches and his paintings, whatever. And he had me barely given mention to it, which enraged me with the result that, like, because we needed to get it, you know, really high profile. But anyway, I decided I'm not going to do this. I, I just can't. 
know. So I decided to pull the plug in it. Then the next was Platy comes back about an hour after I pulled the plug in it and offered to do the show free of charge. His fee was two hundred thousand euro. So now I'm on a winner. But the bank wouldn't give me the money still. Mm-hmm. I said no. So I went into Claire FM, went on the radio and said, It's over. Uh, three weeks later I collapsed in an covered in blood. I had a stomach cancer and kidney cancer. And the night on the 1st of September 2011, the night I was supposed to be looking at the dancers in costume and all this magnificent show on at the Cliffs of Mahar, I was looking at the doctors and nurses and scrubs getting ready to save my life. Right, right. And it's amazing how things are meant to be. In that yeah. you weren't, you know, that uh, had had... Had it gone ahead, you may not be here today because you wouldn't have. I'll be honest with you, Austin, you're 100% right. If it had gone ahead, I would not have been here today because the stress and the strain of it was, brought, was, was, was what ignited what I had. I had what was called the gist, which is aggressive cancer in the stomach. And it's usually it's inside the lining of the stomach. It's usually found when it's too late. It was the stress and the trauma brought on. And that's what actually saved my life. So in retrospect, the collapse of the Lord of the Dance, the Chips Moore, that's the reason I'm here today on no medication at 73 right. years of age. Right. Um, so, Oliver, if anyone wants to get their hands on the, um, or I should say get their ears on, on your story, <laughs> how can they go about it? Because if they can't get into Custis and Ennis, uh, can, is, are you gone to where it's available online? No, no, no. I've decided just to use Custis. I mean, I tried to keep the business local as well. I didn't want yeah, to yeah. be sending Jeff Bezos off to Amazon again. I got off to space in again with another capsule. So I decided we keep our business local. And I'll be honest with you, because even though, sure, I'd love to get out there, whatever, it was never a commercial venture for me. This was something I had to do. This was something that was in my soul. This is my legacy that I've left after me regardless of what else happens. So, Custis, www.custis music shop in Ennis, and you just download it onto your email. If you give your email, download it, it's 25 euro, it's four hours long. It takes a little while to download, it might take 20 minutes or 15 minutes, but you'll get this 18 chapters on it, the 18 chapters will come up in on your email. That's how you get it. No, so you have answered my question, because in other words, you don't actually have to physically go into Ennis and walk no. into Custis to get your no. hands on. It's available as a as an audio book that's downloadable, yeah. so someone can put it onto their device and go out and listen to it like a podcast as they're doing they're their they're job. They're listening, they're listening to it now on mobile phones, and it's on sale, and it's, it's people in New Zealand, Australia have it, all over America, you know? Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, Oliver, to take a few steps back, because you're down there in the burn and you're in this wonderful part of the world, like your County Clare is where you're from originally. You're born, bred. It's every piece of your blood and bones. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and the music, because I know you've you've been dynamic in anything I've seen it, it, that you've being creative and dynamic and you've put stuff out there which is inspiring. You've you had a, a session going on an airline at one stage. <laughs> I do crazy things, I suppose. I'm coming back from Boston, myself and Mickey Dunn and Nick Mester, and we're sitting on the just two o'clock in the morning and the air hostess came around with the, the food and whatever. And Nick Mester was sitting on the outside, I was in by the window and he's talking to her and 
she saw the instruments overhead. We plucked the fiddle and the accordion and the whatever. You and she said, do you play music? We said, we do, yeah. And so said, I said, and do you play? No, she says, but I love to dance. And I, and I said, are you any good? She said, yeah. She says, I'm very good. Well, I said, but this meal is over now. I said, I'll find out how good you are. As I said, you and I are going to dance a bit of a clear set in this plane. She said, okay. So when the meal was over, we took down the instruments and we started in music or whatever. And then I came out and I brought up there where the pilots are in the airplane. And then we got stuck into We had the most amazing session. And the pilot came up as well. I don't know who was driving the plane, but he came up anyway. He came up and watched us. And they filmed it. Now, the poor woman nearly lost her job because her lingers, like, if you look at the video and you can see it, it comes up there every year as a memory. They're all having a party. They're all dancing. I'm literally hitting the ceiling off the floor and she's with me, the air hostess. And I suppose the bosses decided, well, who's looking after the 400 people up there? <laughs> but it was great fun. It went viral. I don't know how many million viewers. It was on Fox News National yeah, yeah, on the following night. It was everyone. You know, just a bit of crack, you know. <laughs> you, would, you would think our would be paying you for the publicity. Yeah. Well, everybody, I, I, I know, I think we got like 400,000 comments, and every one of them was saying, oh, we'd love to get that flight. That was great. Like, and pretty much none of the passengers complained. They got into the spirit of it straight away. You know, yeah. we thought some people didn't want to sleep or whatever, but they got no sleep. And we <laughs> played all the way to Shannon. We played, wasn't just that... Uh, and when we came into Shannon, like the pilot announced, he said, I'd like to the musicians from Dolan who provided the in, the in flight entertainment on flight 134 from Boston <laughs> to Shannon. So we got a great reaction to it, you know? <laughs> Indeed. Oliver, we're going to wrap up. It's been great chatting, which has been great reconnecting, and uh, I hope that uh, the audiobook goes as viral as the video clip. <laughs> and you certainly have been an inspiration and you continue to be an inspiration and it's been great chatting with you and again if you want to get your ears on the audiobook uh, do a search on Google for Custy's Music Shop in Ennis in yeah. County Clare and then uh, send them an email or go through the various forms you'll find on the website and you get your hands on it um, and Oliver thanks a million for taking the time Thank you, Austin, and the best of luck to you, and have a great Christmas as well coming up, and we'll see you in 2022, the corner of the year. The corner of the year.